Welcome to Exploring the Industry, where we find out what God's doing in the entertainment world. I get to interview Christians from various entertainment industries. They share their stories of faith and transformation with you and I. I'm hosting people from many different backgrounds to share what God is doing and where he's shown up most in their lives and their careers through their highs and lows. We're believing to influence the narrative of how Christians perceive what God's doing in the entertainment industry around the world. If a picture is worth a thousand words, their story is worth a thousand sermons. Come join the conversation and welcome to the show. Today on Exploring the Industry, I have Kelly Clark, a five-time Olympian, three-time Olympic medalist, and the winningest athlete in snowboarding history. She's a trailblazer and dominant force in this sport of snowboarding, continually innovating and raising her own bar in every competition. But her success is more than her medals on the shelf. It's no secret that Kelly is a woman of faith and purpose, and it's seen in her life. Today on Exploring the Industry, I want to ask Kelly about how she managed to keep her faith central in her career. I also want to explore what it's like to partner with Jesus in the sporting world. And lastly, I want to see what Kelly's doing right now as she's recently retired from her competition days. Right now, join us on Exploring Industry. Everyone needs someone to process their prophetic journey with them. And we have created a new online mentoring platform where you can grow at your own pace, where we help you to develop your own spiritual journey of hearing God's voice. I want to help be your mentor. We have videos, interactive webinars, over five new videos each week. They're going to advance you in your journey and authority. We have so many special opportunities in this platform that you don't want to miss it, including all of our other e-courses coming for free when you subscribe. Come grow with me. Let me train you in your ability to hear from God and interpret what you hear and really bring applications so that your real life is affected by your spiritual faith. Go to bowlsministries.com and sign up under e-courses. I'm so excited about my guest today. I'm exploring the industry, Kelly Clark. It's so good to have you on today. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, stoked to chat with you for a bit. I know. I'm just your career and just who you are as a person, both are stunning. Just I've known you for so many years now and got to watch you one of the times you uh, were qualifying for the Olympics. And just there's something really special about the way you've chosen to follow God, and then also just the gifts he's put inside of you. And I just wanted to kind of go back into the story of like, because I know that a lot of the, the competition in athletics started before you were a Christian. Let's go back there. How did you become an athlete? Gosh, um, yeah, it's been a wild, uh, wild journey. I never thought my athletic career would be kind of so long and have um, so many high points to it. Uh, I ended up having a, a <laughs> 20... Yeah, I was gonna say because you're the longest like athlete I've ever seen on almost any sport. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's really funny when you like retire when you're 30, was it 34 when I retired or something and having like a 20 year career. So I mean, when I when I started snowboarding, um, it wasn't really a thing. It, it like being a professional snowboarder wasn't really an option. Um, it was a mm. very new sport. Uh, when I started in 1990, uh, it, it wasn't an Olympic sport yet. Um, so it, it was just kind of like a whole new frontier and I kind of like grew up through it and, and kind of just rolled with it as the sport progressed. Um, you know, snowboarding became an Olympic sport in 1998 and I grew up in a small mountain town in Vermont. And so I just lived to be outside. I lived to wow. be on the mountain snowboarding and, um, ironically, I never wanted to compete, um, I was in like a very competitive ski racing program as a young kid and it was just so competitive. I just, gosh, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun at all oh, to wow. kind of ratchet that like level of competition. 
up. I just, it just wasn't for me. And, um, but something happened when I saw that first Olympic games, I had recorded the, um, the snowboarding portion of it on a VHS tape and I watched it. I watched it after school. I know people be like, Oh, what kind of tape? Um, (laughs) I I watched the, the recording of the, the first time snowboarding became an Olympic sport. And something really happened to me that day where I just knew, like when I saw that, I was like, this is, this is the thing that I want to give my life to. Like, and I, from that point forward, I was 14 years old. Um, I just kind of, put my head down and went after that dream and went after that goal um, and started competing in ninth grade. And, you know, two years later, I ended up on the, on the U S team. And uh, when I was 18, I was deferring from college for one year. And, um, you know, cause I had to kind of talk my parents into it where it was like, Oh, I'm sure. Pers- pursuing athletics is risky pursuing athletics, um, for a career that isn't even really like an established sport is like 10 times more risky. And so, you know, I had that one year when I was 18 to prove to them that I could make snowboarding be a career, um, and a real like solid future for me. And in that season, I won the X games, the Olympics and the U S open all in the same year. And if, if you win, if you win one of those as a professional snowboarder, um, you know, you're, you've kind of made it. And that was really my, um, the year where I just kind of burst onto the competitive scene. Uh, and then I kind of had the, uh, the privilege to, to do it for another 20 years. So that was really the beginning of things for me. Um, and it's just been an awesome, awesome experience kind of growing up through, um, sports and developing into the person that I am today. Well, and I think a lot of people who, um, have seen you as far as your career and your profession, you're just kind of a legendary figure. I mean, you were untouchable, unmatched by anybody else, especially on the women's side of things completely, but by both men and women. And it's just amazing to watch. But then this very human Kelly that um, so us have seen, you know, especially your close friends and me being a distant friend, you're just so normal and so real and so down to earth and so grounded in who you are. But, uh, it, you know, there's there's this place where, Jesus became real to you. And can we talk about just your conversion experience? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think very many people, um, I mean, not a lot of people even know what they want to do with their lives, you know, let alone get the chance to pursue it, let alone get the chance to like achieve it. And um, by the time I was 18, like I had accomplished every single dream that I ever dreamt that I ever wanted to do. And I had reached the top of the top of athletic achievement with an Olympic gold medal in that first Olympics. And, um, you know, I think I was looking for a, a sense of fulfillment. And I thought when I was successful, that that fulfillment would really come. And I quickly found that all the success in the world, the pinnacle of athletic achievement, doesn't fill that need um, of significance and fulfillment. And, and ultimately, you know, that's what I was looking for. And that's what I was trying to achieve through all my performance and all my achievement. Mm. And um, I, you know, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world, but yeah. uh, I quickly found that the bottom dropped out pretty quick after that 2002 Olympic experience for me. And um, I went through a few years of, of real, 
real depression, real kind of just going through the motions, not really knowing what else to do. Snowboarding kind of came easy to me. I was good at it and I just did it. And from the outside perspective, it would be like I was living the dream, you know, but on the inside, my, my world was just kind of slowly crumbling. And to be honest, like I, I didn't know what I was looking for. I can articulate it now, but in the moment I didn't, I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what was missing. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, I had never really been to church. Uh, and I remember it was 2004 and, um, I was at a snowboard contest. I was starting my season and I was writing in my journal that morning. And, and to be honest, the, the things that I was writing, I was writing that I I didn't care if I woke up tomorrow, I couldn't see the purpose and why I should keep going. I didn't understand what more what a there contrast was. from you just like you said you arrived at the top of your field basically you won the competitions and there's no joy no it was a wonderful experience like to represent your country to compete in the olympics like oh my goodness like it is it is unlike anything out there but i love that it's it's just an accomplishment at the same time it's it's just an achievement and there was that deep sense of significance that I was desperately searching for that wasn't found there. Wow. And as I was writing in that journal that morning, um, I was going to my first contest of the year and it was, it was December and I was in park city, Utah. I remember where I was. And ironically, that's the, the same place where I won the Olympics two years prior. Um, And I went out to this contest and I qualified for finals. I went to the bottom and I was standing around and watching the rest of the competitors come down. And, and I I literally happened to overhear somebody's conversation. Uh, This, this competitor had come down and she had fallen twice in both of her runs and she had failed to make the finals of the contest and she was crying. And, you know, when someone's crying, you're kind of half over, over hearing what they're saying, wondering what's going on. And, and her friend, like, told her a joke and was trying to lift her spirits and said, Hey, it's all right. Like God still loves you. And I just happened to overhear this conversation and it struck me to my core and something happened where I I said to myself, like, God loves her. Do you think Mm. God would love me? Like that's something. And I literally went, um, I went home to my hotel room and I figured there's Bibles in hotel rooms, right? <laughs> and I, I grabbed one of the, the Gideon Bibles and and I'm looking at it and it's King James and I'm just like, oh man, I have no idea what this even says. Like, I have no idea where to even look. Like, where do I find out if God loves me? And and I knew that that girl who made the comment, she was staying in my hotel and I went to her door. And I, I knocked on her hotel room door and, and she opened it. And, and keep in mind, here I am, the, the reigning Olympic champion. And I'm knocking on this, this competitor's, fellow competitor's door. And, and wow. she knows exactly who I am. And I said, hey, my name's Kelly. Um, I, I think you might be a Christian. And I was wondering if you could tell me about God. Oh, my gosh. And she's just kind of jaw dropped at the door, said just, absolutely. Come on in, you know? And I just started sharing with her about where I was at. And, and it was, it was awesome. Cause I, I really knocked on the right door that day. And, and this God girl, man, yeah. you know, she, 
he was like, I, I guess I had an idea of what it meant to be a Christian. I thought it was about being good, following the rules, doing all the right things, going to church. And she said, hey, Jesus made you for a relationship and he loves you. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about being good. It's not about doing something. It's about recognizing that there's more and that he loves you and you don't have to do it on your own. And, and um, I, I had never once before in my life, like, wondered why we were here. I never wondered, you know, what the purpose of life was or anything like that. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, I think a lot of people would look at snowboarding and be like, oh my gosh, you guys are risk takers and you guys are crazy. And like the reality is, is, is we're calculated risk takers and Mm. that's more my personality. And, and so I wasn't about to jump into something I just heard for the first time ever. You know, I wasn't going to give my my life to Jesus that day and be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I'm on board. I'm like, wait a minute. Why have I never thought about this? Why has no one ever told me this? And like, I've got to figure this out. And and so I basically prayed and I said, hey, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And wow. I, I that that was my prayer. And, and over the next four months, it was wild. Like my my life was surrounded by Christians and by people who were um, an amazing example and invitation to helping me understand who God was, how much he loved me and what a full life with him would look like. And um, I, I remember it was April. So that all started in December. And in April, that same person uh, who's, who I knocked on the door, she was asking me if I'd given my life to Jesus. And, and I said, you know, I, I don't even know what that really means. Like maybe, like that was my response. Maybe I did. I, I have no idea. Like that's how like green I was. I had no yeah. idea, you know, and, and, um, someone had given me a, a the daily devotional Bible and that the purpose driven life book as well. And that book really transformed me. The yeah, purpose driven life book good. was just amazing. Helped me understand like just the fundamentals of the basics, you know, and, and she explained to me that day what it, what it meant to give your life to Jesus. And I don't, I don't know what she was doing, but she explained it to me and then left suddenly. And so I was left there thinking like, okay. And I asked myself two questions. Um, could I ever wake up another day and not think about God? And that the answer was no, because I was thinking about him every day. And could I ever pretend that he didn't exist? And that answer was no. And I thought, okay, well, Jesus, I'm in. Like, I can't do it on my own. And I do love you. And I do want to live life with you. Um, And so I I welcomed Jesus into my my life that day. And um, it's been uh, an absolutely, incredibly beautiful journey. Um, I, I think, I think at some levels, snowboarding and that performance element, it, it had become something that I had to do to prove to people who I was. And once I started a relationship with God and I, my identity started to shift from being wrapped up in something that I had to do to snowboarding almost became this thing that I didn't enjoy anymore. And as my identity started to get stripped down and I started to understand that I was significant outside of what I did on Mm -hmm. a daily basis, I actually got my snowboarding back and I started enjoying snowboarding. And I, it was like all of a sudden it was like, Oh, this prison that I was living in that I had to force myself to prove to people daily 
how good I was, how worthy I was, how valid I was. I didn't have to do that anymore because I developed that sense of significance, like internally. And I didn't look to my external circumstances to provide that for me. And, and so I basically started this wonderful, like, um, this wonderful journey of, of athletics without all the pressure and expectation that I carried for so long. Wow. I mean, I think of your longevity of your career and all the times you've competed and after that, how you did it with God instead of just for the sake of performance. And can you talk about that a little bit as far as how you partnered your career and just, and just experienced him in it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that identity thing was, was so fundamental so and, and foundational. You know, people ask me how I had such a long career and, and if I could go back and tell myself one thing, or if I had advice for younger athletes and number one, figure out your sense of significance apart from your performance. Like, that's what gave me such a long career yeah. and, and such an, it, it allows you to really enjoy it. Um, and so, you know, I, um, I had my ups and downs throughout my career and my Olympic experiences kind of, um, kind of were like snapshots into these four year increments in my career. I ended up going to five winter Olympic games and, and I grew up, you know, when I started snowboarding, I was you know, an 18 year old kid in my first Olympics. And so I was maturing into the person who I was, I was pursuing this high level career. Um, and I was getting to do it for, you know, year after year. And, um, in 2006, I went to my second Olympics and, um, you know, the, the expectation, uh, of being the reigning Olympic gold medalist, you know, everybody asks you, how are you going to defend your Olympic medal and all this stuff? And, and it was so incredibly difficult for me, the expectation that other people put on me and the expectation that I kind of felt like I had to live oh, up to. Sure. I was, I was doing all this inner work with the Lord and starting just, just the tip of the iceberg to developing that identity and that relationship with the Lord. Um, but I was still competing at this incredibly high level, living my life completely in front of millions and millions of people, um, on the world stage. And, and, uh, I came up just, just short in that second Olympics. Um, I fell on my last hit and if I had landed, I would have won by a long shot. And I fell, um, basically across the finish line and ended up in fourth place just out of the medals. And, um, and it was really interesting because I, you know, those, those, those disappointments, those heartbreak moments, they perhaps shake you and show you what your, um, structure is and what you're really leaning on. And, and I realized that I was at the edge of my ability level and I was so unprepared. And, and at that Olympics, I kind of realized that I never wanted to be at the edge of my ability level. So, um, I kind of transitioned to really making sure that I, I wouldn't live my life circumstantially and mm-hmm. I think both in athletics and as a Christian, that was one of the biggest things for me um, was really like developing a set of values to live by that were non-negotiable and also developing the things that I wanted to do regardless of the situation that I was in. Um, you know, I think the sports culture and the action sports world, you know, like the number one like question that people ask me was like, how how are you a Christian in a culture that that doesn't look like maybe the culture you carry inside you? Like, 
What does it look mm. like to live out your values um, in that world? And and it was just like it was just like my my sports. It kind of mirrored it. It was just like I, I make up my mind ahead of time how I'm going to act, what I'm going to do, you know, what my so what my wow. non negotiables are. And wow. in, in snowboarding, I realized I was doing things based off of what was going on around me. And I was being impacted by the world around me and I wasn't able to impact it. And so um, sports have such a cool way of illustrating principles. You know, after that, that fourth place finish in 2006, I realized like, I don't want to be trying tricks because it's an Olympic final. Like I need to put in the time and learn how to do things every single day so I can raise my own standard that when I get into a situation where I'd be tempted to look around me and say, what kind of run should I do? What do I need to do now? What are my competitors doing? I really took like the initiative and did things intentionally instead of looked around me to shape it. And that's how I continued my career to really pioneer, progress the sport um, and have the kind of sustained success that I had all with that backbone of identity. Um, But for me, it was just a hand in hand thing where I would learn things about the Lord that would be kind of like very um, mirrored and similar in my athletics. Um, And I got to progress and grow uh, throughout my athletic career. And, and, and it was very much a um, gosh, it, I just enjoyed it. And I know so many people that in, in my world that get done the Olympics get that, that get done those those high pressure situations you know whatever it may be and and it was almost like people needed a a t-shirt like I survived the Olympics like you would get to those big moments in life and we're like <laughs> oh my gosh yeah. I made it I'm so glad aren't you so glad it's over and I'm like that's just not how I wanted to live and wow. um I just partnered with God to to grow in my perspective and and really like shape the world around me uh, from a cultural progression, trick, sport standpoint, and from a culture standpoint and what I stood for. That is so awesome, Kelly. I just think, wow, the foundation you just laid through your own story for so many people who are listening is so profound because it translates to any culture, not just sports world. And I think that's beautiful. And I know you wrote the book just a little while ago called Inspired the Pursuit of Progress. But there's been a massive change in your career because you have retired from performing in athletics now. So what does life look like now and what's God doing? Um, yeah, it, it, it's been a really it's been a really interesting and if I'm completely honest, like incredibly difficult transition. Mm. Um so I did one thing for 20 years. Yeah. Um Everything I did was filtered through this lens and through this objective of high level competition, snowboarding. And um, that was all I ever knew. And I had an incredible career. When I actually decided to retire, I actually chose it. I went to my sponsors and I said, hey, um, this is where I'm at. And and I this is what I've accomplished. I wanted to go to five Winter Olympic Games. And and I can see that, um, I guess when I was looking at retiring, I, I kind of asked myself a few questions, you know, like, and have I given everything that I have to the next generation to see them be successful? Like, wow. did I completely pour everything? Do I have anything left to give? 
And did I hit my potential? And I hit my potential and I gave everything I had to see um, the girls coming up after me be successful from a progression standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, you know, whatever they needed, I poured myself out to mentor those girls. And, and I realized that was, that was it for me. And I was really content in that. And not a lot of athletes get to choose when they want to retire. And I chose it. And I have this, um, this incredible backbone of faith and identity, um, that I've worked through that I've written a book on that, um, I have this really like balanced view of, of success and I'm not defined by what I do. And, um, I have this incredible church family that I'm a part of at Jesus culture. I have amazing friend group. My family's incredibly supported. It supported me over the years. And I, I even have like continually have great partnerships within the industry, within the sport, great sponsors. And I had a job, you know, like it was like, that doesn't happen to athletes. They don't get to choose when they want to stop and they don't have the, yeah. the level of support that I had. And I had all of those things. And the transition completely hit me like a bus. I was like, mm. I'm going to kill it. And it was That's like, so oh my gosh, I am so worked by this process. And it's, um, I'm, I'm still in it. And I'm, I'm learning how to kind of share my journey with people and art, articulate it still. But basically what I found was I had a, a single mode of operating. I had a way that I did things. Um, I had a way that I viewed the world, that I viewed God, that I viewed myself. And I operated in that to the highest, highest level. And what I found was I had essentially developed and compartmentalized my entire life to protect my performance at the highest wow. level. Wow. And um, it's a pretty rude awakening when you realize that, uh, that you're not living wholly uh, whole, that yeah. I was operating to protect, to control, um, to sustain something, not from a, a crazy insecure identity. I need to be significant. I'm going to hang on to this position, you know, as long as I can, like, I didn't no, it's, need that. I mean, advanced identity lessons. You're, you're speaking a lot of people's language because again, whether it's in sports or some other industry, if you've had a success in your career or, or a measure of success, even it doesn't have to be like as full success as you and you transition from that. It's like identity chapter two comes along and it's, yeah. it's just truth. It's just like, and so I love that. I love that you're willing to talk about it because not many people are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still in it and I don't have it figured out. And I think that's, that's part of the beauty of it. And, and part, part of, um, you know, God's just kindness is that we never arrive. And, um, and I'm willing to kind of go back and do the hard work to, to dig it up. And so I, I've re I've been retired for almost three years now, and I'm I'm still in this process. and And to kind of paint a little bit of an example of what some of the things that I started to see in my life, um, you know, people would always tell me like, "You're a professional snowboarder. You know, you go up these 22 foot icy walls and and do all these tricks. You must be so fearless. You must be so brave. You know, that's what people would always say to me. And it never really resonated with me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, sure, I guess. 
maybe, maybe I'm brave. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I, maybe I'm fearless. You've I don't know. You've always very brave to me. <laughs> and, um, after I had retired, I basically geared down. So I lived in this incredible state of like revved up all the time, focused on the task at hand, focused on the next contest, working towards a goal. And so I started to just kind of downshift and, uh, no pun intended related to the story. I, I happened to be in somebody's car and um, they were uh, driving extremely fast and pretty sketchy. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, I'm, I'm pretty, oh, what, a, what do I feel? I, I think I'm, I think I'm afraid. I think I'm afraid <laughs> right now. Oh my gosh. I'm afraid right now wow. in this car. And it hit me that I've never allowed myself to be afraid. Wow. And I was just stunned. And I would get a cold, you know, and I would get very sick and I'd be in in bed with the flu for a week or whatever post competition and into retirement and I realized that my body was actually right when I retired um I caught pneumonia. I was oh, wow. sick like for with pneumonia for like six weeks and my Ooh. body, I had never let my body not be at a high level performance focus. I had bottled it up for 20 years and forced it into service for me. And, um, you know, I, I, I look back at my last Olympics, like I, I, I competed on a broken leg. I never was allowed to I have a bad that. day. It was crazy. I was never allowed to be sick. I was never allowed to be afraid. And it's so interesting. Like I was trained by a clinical psychologist. Like I worked with a sports psychologist who is one of my dear friends who I love, who I attribute so much of my kind of stability and sustained success to. Um, and you, you hear it when you turn on on the news, when you watch sports, everybody says, you know, what about this problem? What about that problem? And, and the athlete's response is, I control what I can control. And I just focus on the things that I can control. And I came out of my athletic career clinically trained to control every single thing around me to protect my performance. And wow. I didn't know how to, um, I was very overdeveloped in some areas and it's, and it's really humbling and it's really crazy because it's like, it's almost like it's your superpower, like your ability to, to compartmentalize and get through it and not let horrible situations like the pressure of the, the game winning touchdown, you know, like whatever it may be. It's like, like the, the athletes that are the best at what they do have the best structure. It might not be healthy. And I'm looking back at mine and I'm seeing, wow, I don't think that was very healthy. They, they've, they've worked out a way to function under the greatest amount of stress and under the greatest amount of um, like precision and excellence under the greatest amount of pressure. That's amazing. Um, and it's, it's really interesting because it comes from a place of brokenness and it comes from a place of inadequacy and, and fear and all of these things that I believe God is a better way. I believe God is a better um, path for this stuff than even some of the ways that I operated in. And, and I was so overdeveloped in some ways, and I, I had to lay down my superpower of the ability to overcome any obstacle 
overcome anything at all costs and actually embrace my humanity and embrace who God made me to be and embrace my emotions for the first time in my life, which I've never, like, I was like emotionally stunted by the time I got done snowboarding, realizing that emotions were uncontrollable, therefore not accepted and not welcome in my performance culture that I needed to protect. Um, so I've been doing a lot of work. Uh, I've, I'm been doing a lot of counseling and I'm just kind of picking up the pieces and, and growing up in a lot of areas that I never took the time to develop. Um, you know, with my, with my coach in snowboarding, we always had this joke. Um, whenever I would make a mistake, you know, which wasn't, wasn't very common, but when it did happen, you know, we'd watch video review, we'd discuss how the competition went, we'd talk about different things. And and if I fell, if I made a mistake, if I put my hand in, a, in the wrong place, you know, if I bobbled something, whatever it was, we had this joke and we said, oh, turns out I'm not, I'm not a robot. Oh, wow. And that's to kind of summarize it. That's how I was operating. And I think that's how a lot of people operate and at wow. a very high level. Um, and so I'm kind of on the journey of embracing my humanity um, and laying down my own ability and my own fears and, and desires to want to prepare and, you know, control things. Preparation is just another form of control, just a fancy way to say it. And well, the, I mean, the, the level of self-compassion and self-vulnerability, which is also also translating to us, you know, to who are your listeners right now of just being allowing yourself to go to that level of self-awareness too, to change and transform, I think is going to be really interesting because I know that part of what you're called to is to be a voice still. And to articulate things, you're articulating things right now that I don't think most people have ever heard who are performers or are, and you know, they've, they've never heard someone at this stage of their life say these things in this way, in a way that they can really relate. And you're so relatable. And so I'm so, I'm so grateful that you're being honest. And I love, you know, your first book was fabulous. I encourage everybody to get it again. It's called Inspired the Pursuit of Progress. But uh, I also can't wait to see what else comes out of you, not to put any performance on you at all, <laughs> but just what comes out of this conversation uh, that you're having with yourself and with counselors and with God. Because I think, um, you know, you're, you, you have lots of days left. You're very young. Yeah, and so you have a whole nother side that just like you've accomplished in athletics and snowboarding, I can't wait to see this next season, how you're going to be you. And, and you add that version to whatever you pursue and it's going to be, so beautiful to all of us. And I'm so, so proud of you as a long distance friend, <laughs> just that you're, you know, that you could talk like this, that you can share like this. And especially because it is a transitional place. It's not, you can't say, and this was the end. And now I'm this, you're saying, this is where I'm at. And so I just so appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks. I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much aware that the things that I'm learning, you know, I, I have the opportunity to help other people. People, people don't talk about this stuff. Like I, I thought I was so prepared for transition and it, and I got, I got totally sideswiped by it. And I just think that I, I keep thinking that there's, there's gotta be a better way, you know, God's, God's desire for us to like, I always say God's into what's in your heart. He just wants your heart. And that's really what I've found through snowboarding and my passions and desires and all that stuff. And 
And I, I, I have so many wonderful gifts of what God's given me in my determination and my tenacity and my endurance and all these amazing gifts. But at the same time, like I, I just feel like there is a wholeness that I look back on my career that I can see I didn't operate in the fullness of that wholeness. And I just, I want to knock on that door and I want to find out what it looks like to embrace all the wonderful gifts that we're given and do it um, with that sense of wholeness and not the sense of um, brokenness that I can see yeah. uh, looking back in my career at times. Um, well, I, I used the term earlier. I said identity 2.0, you know, like when you're already mature in your identity to some degree and also in your life. And then there's a whole nother wave you go through that feels awkward and haven't I been here before, or I thought I, I could teach this. How come I'm now going through another level of this? But I also <laughs> think Kelly Clark 2.0 is going to be really, really fun to watch. And just to see as God brings you through this, the language that you bring to everybody else. And so thanks for being on the show today. Seriously, like what a beautiful story all the way around. And thanks for being so genuine and pouring into so many people with countless hours and even doing interviews like this. Well, thank you so much, Sean. It's uh, it's great to catch up, and I love getting to share a little, little part of my life, um, a little, little snapshot on my journey. Well, it's it's going to help us all. So, thank you so much. Yeah, and Kelly Clark again. I've known I've mentioned the book before, but I really love this book. So inspired, the pursuit of progress, and also just stay tuned for what's next in Kelly's life. And I know we're going to benefit greatly from it. Welcome to the Exploring Series podcast with me, Sean Bowles. We're now up to three episodes a week with three different themes. Join me every Monday for Exploring the Industry, where we have powerful conversations with Christians and entertainment industries around the world who have stories about how their faith is impacting their career and the world around them. Join us Wednesdays in one of the most listened to podcasts in Christianity, Exploring the Prophetic, where I get to interview people from every walk of life about how hearing from God has changed their world and the world around them. Then come download every Friday's edition where we're exploring the marketplace with my co-host, Bob Hassan, where we have powerful interviews and we answer questions from listeners like you who have careers in the marketplace. Come take a seat in our conversation and ask your questions and subscribe to the Exploring Series where we go on one journey together to see what it looks like to have a living relationship with Jesus in every kind of life imaginable. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Industry. We're believing that God's going to change the world through the entertainment industry. And we want to invite you into the conversation. Please subscribe, hit the notification bell to this podcast. Also visit us at bowlsministries.com where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your spiritual journey.